What's going on, everybody? And welcome to another episode of the State of the Nova Nation podcast presented by VU Hoops. I'm Emma Houghton. He's Pat Zhang. Pat and I are both doing the flu game a little bit this week. Mm -hmm. So I apologize on both of our behalves for our sore voices here. But Pat, it finally happened. A 77 to 56 Nova victory on the weekend against Boston College. We finally got our dominant win on the season. How are we feeling about that? A cover and a comfortable cover from Villanova as well. Minus nine there at the Prudential Center. As you know, you've been talking about it on these last couple episodes, really. Of course, it's important for Villanova to get back to winning ways, which they most certainly have now with three in a row to get back to 500. But to get so get back to that in a way too that felt pretty dominant, especially in the second half, I think that was really important for Nova Nation as a whole to take a breath and kind of see this team progressing where they are and where they can be. And with a just annihilation of Boston College, which feels really good, of course, I'm sure for uh, Father Peter's office, though he would never admit it because we know Villanova and BC often go up against each other, maybe in the latest uh, academic reports. And when you're looking at that, you know, a little a little beat down of BC won't hurt for the, uh, <laughs> the overall uh, metrics here when students are deciding between these two schools. I love that. Yeah, I feel the same exact way. Hopefully get another one against St. Joe's, another dominant win this upcoming Saturday, too. Of course, this was the part of the schedule where we expected Villanova to go on this type of run. But after losing those four straight and having that two and five record, it's nice to to see them finally look like Villanova basketball, which you'd mentioned a few episodes ago. And then we'd also be remiss to not start off this podcast by saying, add another win to the Cam Whitmore era, 3-0. and <laughs> And if you look at the some ESPN tabs here, I hadn't even realized this consciously. Whitmore leads the team in points and rebounds in the last two games. So you're saying adding Cam Whitmore has made a large change to this it's Villanova team? Shocking. So, the so, overreactors, like the overreactors right now are are playing a little hurt. I'll be honest. They're they're feeling a little low right now. Yeah, absolutely. As we talked about, you know, there are some issues with this team that most certainly go beyond Cam Whitmore, but it's almost shocking that adding one of the best recruits in the country and a top 10 NBA pick really raises the ceiling and the floor um, for this Wildcat team. And I know that I went all through a, a bunch of different things that I was worried about for this team. I think a lot of that still stands, but it's a hell of a lot easier to gloss over that when you have someone that has the ability to just take over a game, as we've certainly seen from Cam Whitmore, to what you just alluded to as well. He's led the Wildcats in scoring going into halftime in all three of the games he's come out in. And that includes, of course, his first ever collegiate game where the guy basically didn't play basketball for eight weeks, comes in there and leads him in scoring. It's been pretty remarkable. Yeah, and I think that's actually a really good way to sum up the entire BC game. There are issues. There are there are things that are going to pop up when Nova plays better opponents. Yeah. But a 20-plus point win, you've got three straight unbelievable performances from Cam where we can continue to see new positive things. That's a, a microcosm for Villanova right now. It's much, much easier to talk about this team, first of all, and to watch this team when you've got a talent like Whitmore out there. It just makes everything so much easier. Again, easiest part of the schedule to date and probably for the rest of the season. It is. But this is the time to be getting the confidence back as conference play starts because you've got a gauntlet of St. John's, UConn, and Marquette to start off that Big East schedule. 100%. And when we reference the easier part of the schedule, Oklahoma does not get thrown into that. That was a very yeah. good win by the team, but just 
Penn, BC, and St. Joe's as this three-game stretch is most certainly an opportunity for the Wildcats to really find a way to get some momentum uh, under their wings and really heading into that St. John's game. But on Whitmore, as you said, too, the other thing trending up for him is minutes. Now, it's been slow. You know, it was 20 against Oklahoma, 24 against Penn, and then up to 26 against BC. But what's the trend there? It's trending up. And I think that's going to make people very, very excited here uh, on the main line as Whitmore gets to around that 30-minute mark where I think once you start to see things go into full flow for him, once he gets into more of a rhythm with practice, gets these minutes under his belt, you're going to see him in the low to potentially even mid-30s, and he's trending up in that direction already. Yeah, and only one of those guys got into the 30 minutes uh, against BC on Saturday. That was Caleb with 32. Rotation in general, I think people will be very happy to see how it regressed to the mean a little bit. You saw Armstrong get more minutes. Hmm. You saw Arch get fewer minutes. Whitmore rises. So the tinkering with the rotation has started to pay off, and you're seeing the freshmen take huge leaps. And as well as Arch has been playing lately, I think you and I have both been pretty clear about how impressed we've been over the last few weeks. Actually, the full 40 tweeted about how impressed they've been with Chris Arch over the last few games, which is a huge deal to me. <laughs> it's just, we're starting to use the team's strengths and you're seeing a much deeper, more cohesive rotation now. So it's to Kyle Neptune's credit, it's paid off. Yeah, for sure. I mean, part of that is because they blew them out, especially in the second half. I, I don't think you're going to see six minutes from Trey Patterson or three from Anana um, in, in many games down the stretch here, but I don't think you're wrong to look at kind of that microcosm of between an Armstrong and an Archie Diacono, you know, Chris at 22 Mark at 28 for this game. I feel like it's getting closer for Chris. I, I also want to make sure he gets his credit because he most certainly has been playing some pretty solid basketball of late. And he had his uh, magnum opus where he went over the, uh, <laughs> went over the boards, basically diving into the, into the stands, the perfect Archie Diacono play in this game. But I feel like between, you know, 25, 26 minutes is probably a really nice spot for Chris Archdiakono to be in the game and kind of give you everything that he does while still allowing Armstrong to play an extended role, which is really what we saw on Saturday. And Mark Armstrong came out absolutely balling. Mm -hmm. We'll talk a little bit more about it. And I know Kim Whitmore most certainly is going to get the most attention out of this game and deservedly so because he is a stud but what i saw out of mark armstrong here on saturday evening basically it's everything why you get so excited for a guard like mark coming to villanova that new jersey toughness you know on display playing back in jersey at the prudential center the quickness the ability to hit a three he led the team in rebounding he's physical Oh, you know me. I could gush about Mark Armstrong. I made the joke about Colin Gillespie jersey or Mark Armstrong jersey uh, last week. And uh, this Saturday performance really justified how I feel about him. It's really starting to stick out. By far his best performance of the season so far. He had the first seven points for the team. He did. He outscored BC at the under 16 mark. It was driving and shooting too. Three for five, he finished from the three-point line. So you know that that three-point shot is keeping teams honest. It's one of his strengths. But his biggest strength by far is his quickness his, and explosiveness off the, off the dribble. So for him to be able to do that, one takeaway I had from this team in general and this game in general is that the team seems to go down low to Dixon or Daniels, Slater, or Whitmore now drives to the basket when the team really needs a basket. And I'm just wondering why this can't just be part of the game plan from the start. 
because we see a guy like Armstrong be so explosive and be so successful laying it up at the hoop or at least drawing a foul and getting to the free throw line. I just would love to see more of that throughout the entire game instead of, okay, we've missed five shots in a row and we Hmm. need to just lay it up down low and get an easy basket. I think there's potential for for you to be able to see that as they go forward here you know that's been a big thing that i've calling called for uh over these episodes i actually think nova did a pretty decent job of that as well throughout this game it didn't feel like it was completely you know all in on the three and with that said they shot 48 percent from deep makes it a little easier (laughs) it helps uh, on 27 attempted threes which is the second best three-point shooting percentage they've had in any game this year the only one uh, eclipsing that was LaSalle where they shot a ridiculous 65 percent to open up the season but I I do think you're going to see Villanova in the lane more and I thought they did a nice job of that early because we've talked many, many times already about the incredibly slow starts that the Cats have gotten off to. They scored 21 points in the first 10 minutes here when it feels like they're usually around the 8 to 13 uh, point mark through 10 minutes. So I think there you saw a pretty important progression that also allowed Villanova offensively to get into a groove and carry that through to a way that things did not feel close down the stretch. Yeah, so I know that they're shooting around 33% from three on average. They made 48% in this game, like you said. So that's nice. Do you have off the top of your head how many threes they're attempting by any chance? In this game specifically, it was 27. It's it's kind of gone a little bit back and forth over the last couple games. You know, against Penn is 30, which is still a lot. Oklahoma was down to 17. I know I heralded mm-hmm. that um, pretty decently. And then I don't even want to go into the PK invitation. Yeah, we're, that's, we're... <laughs> where they, <laughs> that's where they shot over 50% of their field goal attempts from deep. But I thought Oklahoma was a really nice step forward because yeah. they showed that they can really get, get stuff in the lane there. Penn was kind of an in-between game. I mean, we discussed it. I didn't think they played particularly great against Penn. I just think Camp Whitmore overshadowed everything. (laughs) And then here against BC, I think they put it all together where they made some important three-point shots. They found some openings, but they also made contested shots, and they certainly weren't afraid of going underneath the hoop as well. No, I feel the same way. And I think the 20 to 25 three-point attempts per game can be a really happy medium but also take that with a grain of salt because you are adding Whitmore into the mix who's now averaging four three-pointers a game (laughs) six against BC so you did a little bit more and we obviously would love to see Cam shoot as much as possible but so yeah I, I I'm still seeing a little bit too much of the settling for threes especially when the other team is on a roll you see them putting up contested shots early in the shot clock but as the game goes on, they've become a really good fourth quarter team. Those final 10 minutes of the game, they do everything well. They drive well, they shoot well, they get to the free throw line and they make those shots. So it's nice to see this team round into form, especially because I'm sure we're all still so scarred from the closing of last year's team at this point <laughs> in the season. <laughs> and I do think they're getting better too with, with some of that shot selection, yeah. especially from deep. I think a big part of that is it just feels like the ball movement has been crisper mm-hmm. over the last couple games. I think a part of that is Jordan Longino, I think has moved the ball well, though I'm still not sure he's totally healthy. I think Armstrong, as he's continued to grow into that role, has been important with Cam Whitmore coming back and Mark Armstrong becoming a little more prominent and Archdiakono filling his role well too, it's allowed Caleb to be a little more comfortably off the ball, which we've talked about a million times, really suits his game. 
and gives him the option to either be found in space where he's often, I feel like the guy that makes an extra pass to, to find a, you know, a Braden Slater at the three point line or, or try and kick it around as well. So I really think the, progression of some of the guys we've seen as well as of course the introduction of cam whitmore has kind of really revolutionized the way we've seen this offense operate uh, especially around the perimeter yeah i'm really glad you brought that up assist was something i wanted to talk about too they had uh, a pretty vintage villanova sequence where they made about six passes and you're screaming at the screen hoping for one of them to just shoot hmm. it but of course they found the open guy and sunk that three it doesn't feel like anybody has benefited more from Whitmore's presence than Caleb. I mean, the, the way you said that was perfect. He, I remember thinking during this game, wow, when was the last time Daniels brought up the ball? They have done such a good job of transitioning Caleb into the still leading scorer on the team, but now he's able to... For now. Yeah, Cam Whitmore's <laughs> certainly getting very, very close, but he's able to work off ball. He doesn't have to create a shot every single time, and it makes it so much harder for defenses now to have two legit outside scoring threats with Daniels and Whitmore and still have to worry about Dixon and Slater down low. So I think you said it perfectly. Caleb is still doing such a good job, and nobody has benefited more from Whitmore Whitmore's debut as him because now he's able to work in the same role that he worked last year and thrived in. Yeah, I'm excited for what Caleb can turn into with with that. And I don't think this was even his best game, but he's still able to impact the game in in so many ways because we know he is such an all-around player there. You think it's time we just dive in on Cam Whitmore? Gotta. I mean, we've made people wait long enough. I I had to bring up Mark Armstrong first because I was just so blown away by his performance on Saturday. But Cam Whitmore, just to give you the numbers off the top, uh, 26 minutes, as we mentioned, shot 50% from the field, seven rebounds and 19 points off the bench. Uh, good as advertised, question mark? <laughs> I, I would say so. I'll let you take this one away to start. Kyle Neptune's running out of excuses to bring him off the bench. That's <laughs> that's where I wanted it's to It's becoming start. a hot topic with Nova Nation is does he start on the bench or get in that starting lineup? I thought he was going to start against BC. I knew I knew you thought he was going to come off the bench. I don't know how he doesn't start against St. Joe's on Saturday, especially coming off a week's re- a week's rest. I mean, Neptune is just borderline beating a dead horse now about how freak <laughs> of an athlete he is and how little he's practiced and how well he's playing regardless. But I, I said this at the beginning, every single game he does something different. Yeah. It was the shooting against Oklahoma. He had a ridiculous putback against Penn. And then against BC, it was everything. Truly, it was everything. It was the blocks on defense, the way he's able to run coast to coast. He is so calm, cool, and collected. He makes it look so ridiculously easy to the point where it barely looks like he's trying. And then I'll go up and sink a step back three after exposing the defender based on his incredible ball handling skills that's another thing ball handling i thought was on like remarkable against Hmm. bc so he just does everything so well and we almost should have just started recording pat when cam came we we tired (laughs) ourselves out with the overreaction taking the first month off yeah exactly seven games in all right start the season now nova nation let's let's get excited about it hey you know our our friends at the full 40 are are keeping track of basically the pre-cam and post-cam yeah uh statistics and everything that goes with it and and understandably so as well uh for whitmore also really nice that tim thomas 
was in mm-hmm. the building there on Saturday. Of course, the last one in done for Villanova. That will no longer be the correct stat as we get into the spring of 2023. Um, but but with Whitmore, I, I think you're totally right in going into it. I'm still incredibly impressed on his ability to just spot up from three in a way that is also mind numbing for me. Cause I look at him as such a freakish athlete. I'm like, Cam, just get to the rim. We know you can do it every single time, but he has the ability. It doesn't matter how he's covered to just spot up and drill that three, whether he just wants to go straight up for it or whether he's going to do, as you mentioned, a step back three to be able to create some space uh, and go, go into it. I've been so impressed with his ability to be a marksman from deep um the play that really stood out to me in this game was one that he didn't even fully make where he split the two defenders was able to kind of keep dribbling with the ball go up got fouled and missed the dunk during it that is just a ridiculous piece of technical ability to to split the two defenders at his size as well as athleticism to then fly and attack the rim and that doesn't even count the monster steal and dunk that he had later in the game and Mm -hmm. Just to talk about the talent that oozes from this guy, you know, there was a point where he had the ball. It was probably like the right side of the key. He got bodied up by the BC defender pretty well, and he just spots up for a long two past the elbow. And I specifically shout out while he does that. I'm like, oh, that's that's not a great shot. And he drills it because it doesn't matter because he's Cam Whitmore. And I think that really goes into it is that he is so, so good that you live with some of the not great shot selection that'll come with it because there's a pretty decent shot. He's going to sink it anyway. Yeah, it's funny you say that. I actually don't think he does take too many bad shots. There were de- he definitely a little trigger happy against in his Oklahoma. first game against yeah, Oklahoma yeah. for sure. But his body control is something to be gawked at his ball handling skills, and then his physicality. I feel the same way. You, I wish he would just drive every single time, but then he had stroke from three, and you wonder why he doesn't do that every time too. Yeah. So I can see a lot more ISO coming his way in the future. <laughs> just just defense is clear, or the offense clearing out, giving Whitmore the space to run. Still curious about transition and tempo. And where he tries to push, he does yeah, where the trajectory of this team goes, because you can tell that he wants to. And that's why when he makes those defensive plays, forces the turnover, goes right back up with it. That's such a strength. So I hope they continue to keep using it. Yeah, absolutely. And this is not a just because of Cam Whitmore, by the way, but it coincides rather nicely with it. In the three games that Villanova played at the PK Invitational, their defense allowed an average of 79 points per game. In the last three games they have played, of course, with Cam Whitmore, they are averaging just above 60 points a game allowed. That is a tw- almost a 20-point swing. Of course, it does not all come down to Cam Whitmore. You have to factor in that they have played Oklahoma, Penn, and BC. And while Oklahoma is incredibly talented, they are not a great scoring team. And then, of course, P- uh, Penn and BC into that as well. But what Whitmore does with that added athleticism and that added piece of versatility and a pretty good rebounder as well, which is something we know this Villanova team struggles. Not only does he give them the ability to 
you know, really take over a game on offense, drop those 19 points off the bench. But defensively, you feel that things are getting a little better. Now, they're still not great. Villanova comes in at 121st in, in defensive efficiency. At Kempom, that is the third worst in the Big East, only ahead of Georgetown and DePaul, which is never a place you want to be for literally <laughs> anything um, in, in terms of basketball statistics. But we have seen some sort of improvement going forward with Cam being in the lineup. Yeah, just quickly on the three-point defense, you never want to see a team like BC have their game plan be make as many threes as possible because we know Mm -hmm. how bad Villanova's three-point D is. But it didn't work because BC is not a good shooting team. But going on to that defense point, this is one of the biggest things I took away from this game. You have to talk about Whitmore. Armstrong was phenomenal. The offense looks much, much better. But defense, the team usually, maybe mostly because of Whitmore and the way they've changed their defensive schemes lately, but the defense usually does a pretty good job of forcing turnovers against turnover-prone teams. You saw it a lot against Penn, and you saw it a lot against BC, both teams that turned the ball over a lot. The defense is good at that. But against BC, I thought the defense actually had full good possessions and got good stops instead of just forcing turnovers. And that plays into your point about lowering opponents' points per game. Because it's great if you can force a turnover and then play in transition, score on the offensive end. But it's also great if you can shave 30 seconds off that clock and stop a team that completely Mm -hmm. stops their momentum. And then you're able to play to your strengths, which is pushing in transition or trying to find a good three-point shot on the other end. So I thought this was a a huge step in the right direction for the defense. Now they're a little bit more multifaceted where they've always been good in transition. They've always been good at forcing turnovers. Now they have enough lockdown defenders that they can really step in there and get stops. And that's huge. I I do think the turnovers are going to be a huge part of of this team and and being able to go into some sort of winning consistency for it. They have forced 14 turnovers the last two games, then 13 against Oklahoma. Now Penn and BC both had a ton of unforced errors in those turnovers where Penn threw the ball away many times. And BC, I want to say traveled four or five times. It was just bizarre. it It was not good. Um, but to your point, I, I do think they're getting better on defense. It's still not great as kind of shown by those efficiency numbers. And a lot of that does come down to, to rebounding and three-point defense where Nova most certainly is still uh, towards the bottom half of the country um, in, in those statistics. But you at least have reasons to believe that things can get better here. And I, I think you are seeing, you know, Caleb Daniels and Brandon Slater doing a, a nice job on defense. You need to say see Eric Dixon stay in these games. That's back-to-back games now where he's picked up some really cheap fouls and had his minutes limited because of that, and we know how important he is inside. It is going to be a, a really key thing for Villanova this season to make sure Eric is on the floor, so they have to find ways to continue to, or not to continue, but to they have to find ways to make sure he's not in a position to pick up those really, you know, nickel dimers as bill raftery would say because he needs to be out there so i'm interested to see how villanova tries to combat that uh, a little bit as well it's it is most certainly a work in progress but it is progress going in the right direction when it felt like for a stretch their defense was just absolutely abysmal for a couple games oh yeah yeah definitely for a while when bc went on their scoring run midway through the first half too and nova obviously at the same time had a four minute scoring drought. That's when the issues start to compound upon each other a little bit. And I think they get 
out rebounded and they lose the ability to box out and then they're not able to push in transition. So it definitely, and then that also leads to contested three point shots that they shouldn't Mm -hmm. be taking so early in the shot clock. So I feel the same way. Forcing turnovers is something they should lean into for sure. The defense isn't going to take huge strides against teams like BC or Penn compared to St. John's or UConn. (laughs) But yeah, definitely (laughs) Dixon is something to watch because also it's been a few games that he's really shown up offensively as well. And against the Sorianos or the... Um, I a uh, Sonogos just forgot the name of Adama Sonogo. For Donovan Klingon too from uh, from yeah. UConn the freshman. Two big guys, exactly. <laughs> Dixon's going to need to become that figure again. And then when you think of Dixon, Daniel Slater pouring in fifteen plus games, fifteen plus points a game, that becomes pretty lethal. It, it's going to be really important. So that that's yeah. why I say focus on Eric Dixon. I know it's been a little less over the last couple of games. Cam Whitmore has most certainly taken on a lot of that scoring brunt that that Dixon really dealt with earlier in the season. But for Villanova's scheme as a whole, they need Eric Dixon out there. So that mm-hmm. that's why I point to him. I also think that Nova has been able, especially uh, shown against BC, has been able to play more man than we saw earlier in the season. Neptune went to a decent amount of zone. A lot of that was just because man-to-man wasn't sticking but with some of the guys that they were subbing in and some of the assignments that went with it. With adding in Cam Whitmore and with a little bit of defensive progression from these guys, and you can call it an understanding of the system, however you want to go through it, it's been more man-on-man, and it has been, it's felt better, you know, with the zone, while the zone can most certainly help in trying to collapse and force turnovers where you can, there are holes in a zone, and you can be shot out of a zone, and I think many times Villanova was shot out of the zone, and while I gave credit to Kyle Neptune for trying something new, because the man-to-man most certainly wasn't working there, it's starting to work a little bit more now, which I think is a good sign. And I also think it's just more sustainable if they're able to, to stick in man, you know, find places for help defense and, and whatnot, and really stick to more of their assignments. You can't ignore what Whitmore brings offensively, but it does feel like every single time Neptune gets asked about Whitmore, he brings up how big of an impact he makes defensively. Villanova and mentality I, there. He says the same thing about Housen and a lot of these guys. Right. It's the defensive pressure he brings it makes the man-to-man better and that makes the three-point defense better too there's there are certainly lapses there are certainly times where you lose a guy in a switch but I agree with you I think generally you're not seeing the Oregon type defensive blow up that that game was where the younger guys are just being looking completely lost on defense I think all of them have shored up some of their weaknesses and you're right. They look much better. I wouldn't be surprised if we actually start to see zone getting zoned out even more. And you start to see some of that full court pressure a little bit more as Please. they get better man to man. And then you can only think about when Justin Moore is brought back into equation, how much better the defense gets with him as well. Oh, now you're really going to get people excited when you mention bringing it's, Justin Moore. How can you not? This team. No, you should be one 100%. My question is still when we're actually going to see him out there. Right. But you know me, Justin Moore is my favorite player at Villanova. I, I adore Justin Moore, and I cannot wait to see him out here. Uh, a point I, I knew I wanted to make sure I brought up, because you, you want to talk about differential in, in this team to years past, and especially what we saw on Saturday. On Saturday, Villanova freshman accounted for 53% of wow. Villanova's total points. 
And that goes for 19 from Whitmore, 13 from Armstrong, as well as nine from Housen. You feel pretty good about that. I know Whitmore is the one and done. So of course it's not about building for the future there. It's about the now, but for Mark Armstrong and Brendan Housen, that is really important to also add on to the monstrosity that Cam Whitmore is and show how a lot of this team's foundation, we're going to talk about Caleb Daniels. We talk about Brandon Slater. We talk about Eric Dixon. Of course, it's in those senior leaders, but a lot of this team's ceiling comes from these younger players. And you saw Mm -hmm. it on Saturday where they accounted for over half of Villanova's points. Jeremiah Robinson Earl and Justin Moore were huge parts of those teams. Yes, they were. They were starters. I don't even think they were scoring that many points this early on. So that's a great point. I think it was fair or it is fair if as a fan throughout these first few games of the non-conference schedule, you worried about what this team would look like next year. Mm-hmm. And you've worried how quiet the recruiting trail has, has been. And with the flux of the coaching position and the injuries that the team with, has dealt with, I think it has been okay for you to be a little bit critical and to wonder what the future looks like. And with Slater and Daniels definitely gone. Moore is a question mark. Whitmore is almost certainly gone as long as he stays healthy and continues to play the way he plays. I think it's okay if you've been a little bit, if you've had a little bit of trepidation. But after seeing Armstrong come into his own, seeing the way that Housen shoots and also seeing him improve defensively, we probably won't see a ton of it more this season, but I thought Brizzy looked really good at the beginning of the year. So let's not forget about that. You hope to get a few more good recruits in the in the wings here Chris parker please that would be huge and then you can't even begin to imagine how much bigger of a leap dixon's going to take in another year in the system so i really like that point i was certainly a little bit nervous and i feel much better now just seeing how quickly these guys have developed in even a three game stretch and how much better that's going to look against really really good big east play this year I do want to focus a little bit on Brendan Housen, you know, uh, of yes. those freshmen. Jerry asked us about Brendan Housen, you know, going into that game was where do you kind of see him, you know, filling in with that rotation. And we both said we want to see him continue to kind of gain in minutes uh, just based on what he can bring to the team. And Brendan Housen came out and played 16 minutes uh, against BC, which I think is a really nice sign. I'm not sure you're going to see him play that many minutes because, of course, as we said, it was a blowout down the stretch where Nova really – um, you know, took it to them down those final 10 minutes where they outscored him 22 to 12. But for Housen, you know, he made his impact on offense as we know he does quick trigger, all the confidence in the world drilled three, three threes uh, again out there at the Prudential center held his own on defense. I'm pretty excited with Brendan Housen. And I, I do want him to continue to get those minutes off the bench as things currently stand. I think an eight man rotation makes a lot of sense for how Villanova wants to run things, you know, say what you will if Whitmore is going to start or come off the bench, but let's just go with what they're uh, going off the bench with for now. If you're going to tell me that it's Whitmore Housen and Longino as your three uh, coming off the bench and you're going to split, you know, kind of, you know, try to get around that anywhere from 12 to 20 minutes, Whitmore will be more, but just go with it for, for these. I think you feel pretty comfortable about those three being your extra pieces coming on. Yeah. And I think we all hope that Longino has a lot more in the tank than he's shown so far being probably more hurt than any of us expect. I think so. Housen has filled the microwave come off the bench sink a three role really, really well. I think the biggest compliment I can give him is 
I think he's graduated past that role, and now he's just a vital part of this offense. Put him out. There. I don't want to. I don't want to see him come in just on an inbound play and make a three. And you don't see him do that. He obviously played 16 minutes against BC, but it's not just a fun shooter anymore. Truly, it's becoming a vital part of this rotation. The offense looks a lot better now that Cam Whitmore is in it, obviously. But it's not surprising that Hausen has become the. I mean, I guess with with Whitmore, the the third freshman, and then with Brizzy also. But it's not surprising to me that he has become that guy and that he's getting more minutes than other players on the bench because he has a great shot. He also can do a lot of other things really, really well. So it's impressive for him. I love to see it. And 16 is probably the highest end of what we'll see, mm-hmm. but you agree. never know how big a three could be against UConn in those final seconds. Right, Pat? I mean, we can take the positive outlook there, so I'm I'm for that. Um, I I agree. I I really like Housen, um, and I want to see him continue to be out there. Just what we're seeing, what he brings differently to this team is that he's an absolute assassin from beyond the arc, and mm-hmm. and we've talked about this here at length. That Villanova lacks that really trustworthy option from deep. Now maybe Cam Whitmore develops into that. Maybe Caleb Daniels really goes on a hot streak from from out there. But we know that Brendan Housen can drill from three because. The man's shooting 50% from beyond the arc right now. And I am not exaggerating when I say that. He is literally hitting half of his three-point attempts. He is 13 for 26 (laughs) thus far this season. And, you know, as a team, Villanova, it it hasn't been good as we've talked about, but it is slightly starting to trend up. They're up to 34% now as a team from deep. That's up 3% from, what, just 10 days ago or so, maybe two weeks ago when they were barely hovering around the 31% mark. So things are getting better, and a part of that is because Brendan Housen are shooting those threes, and we know he can hit them. Right, and you're, I actually think Slater's three-point shooting performances so far over the last few games has been the perfect medium for him. He's shooting like three, four, five, and making two or three of them, which is absolutely perfect. It gives defenses a nice little mix-up. Slightly trending upwards is, I think, the perfect way to encapsulate this episode. (laughs) And (laughs) slightly hopeful as we have one more game before Big East Conference play starts, because I think that's where we are. The team has finally gotten back to five and five, 500, Mm -hmm. going into a nice, easy game. Again, hopefully, Holy War, all that. You never want to underestimate your opponent. So be careful with the nice, easy game. (laughs) This is a game that Villanova has to win. It's a must win, and it's a must win in a dominant fashion as conference play is close to starting. That's how I view it. Yeah, it is a must win um, going up against St. Joe's. Not only because it is the Holy War, it is a rivalry game. I never want to drop games to to St. Joe's, but they need to keep that momentum. They need to continue to find themselves and really explore with what this team can be with these pieces that are back and these pieces that are developing. And they need to get over 500 as they head into, as you said, a, a crucial stretch of Big East play. This is not the we'll ease into the conference with some, you know, Georgetowns and, and DePaul's and such. They are opening up with St. John's at home. Connecticut on the road, Marquette at home is your three before we even get into 2023. And while we may not have thought a ton of Marquette heading into this season, my God, have they really impressed uh, as we, as we are right now on December 12th recording this and UConn, I kid you not, is the number one team in the country, according to Ken Palm in terms of efficiency with how impressive they have been. So 
some massive, massive games right around the stretch here. And that's not taking anything away from St. John's as well that I know has struggled a little bit lately, but is still a really good team and is often a very difficult foil for Villanova, just understanding that they run almost more than anyone else in the country. I believe, yeah, yeah they are third right now in adjusted tempo, which is quite the difference to Villanova that is 348th in the country. <laughs> so quite the stretch of games we got coming up. It's what gets you excited as a Villanova fan and a Big East fan because we play in such a wonderful conference and a conference that, that gets you so pumped up. And I can tell you, uh, you can't look past St. Joe's because as we said, it's a big five game. It's a rivalry game. We'll talk about it. But man, when that conference play rolls around on, on Wednesday, December 21st, it's going to be a, a different feeling when I wake up on that morning. So much. And I think this was generally a really good non-conference schedule. I think it was the perfect blend of... Better than we thought, I'd say. Yeah, pick-me-up games for Nova and then some really, really tough challenges. They obviously got the must-needed one non-conference or, or out-of-conference win that was really, really crucial. But I feel the same way. When when this conference play starts with all the hype that Nova and, and Xavier... I mean, I'm sorry, that UConn and Xavier and Creighton at the beginning of the season is definitely starting to slide a little bit. But with all the hype that those top teams have been getting the chatter has definitely started up again about Villanova again it is definitely on the rise it's trending upwards we might have found our our uh, title right there Pat I'm gonna use it I could use all the help I can get when I tell you so <laughs> let's do it no it's a good spot to be again getting that win over St. Joe's would put the team above 500 and and, and what a way to transition into the the conference schedule let's do it I'm pumped this was a good way forward. This was, I, I think you only come away from this BC game feeling really good about not only the, the ceiling of this team, but also the floor yeah. after what we've seen over the last three games. And the strides they've taken, especially defensively. Speaking of being pumped, we have an amazing guest coming on on we Thursday. Do, we will we keep do. it under wraps for now, but we're going to take a lot of time on Thursday recapping this non-conference schedule, talking about takeaways as we go into conference play, it is somebody who is super, super in the know about all the teams in the Big East. So it's the perfect person to have on right now at this time in the schedule. And I think it's a really good time to, again, just recap everything, talk about strengths and weaknesses of the team going into conference play as we get into, like you said, Pat, I mean, this is when the basketball season really starts. This is when it starts getting really, really fun. We start having two games a week, a game on the weekend. I'm excited to get into that rhythm. I'm quite excited um, for, yeah. our, for our guest on, on Thursday, and I think a lot of people will be too. Um, so we are pumped for that. Anything you want to touch on Big East-wise before we really wrap things up? I mean, it was a big Big East conference weekend. As you talk about weekend games, the whole conference was in play more so than Villanova. Yeah. I, I, I think we, we look around here and what you saw was a really good showing from the biggies, which is where they've been lately. I mean, Georgetown was standing because that is the um, consistent uh, piece of the last couple years here where they lost to Syracuse, which I was disappointed for because I have no love lost um, for Syracuse. The rest of the conference really showed out. And I know we're going to talk a little bit more about it on Thursday, but Xavier won a really important game against Cincinnati, though they tried their best to blow the the crosstown shootout butler i think has been one of the more surprising teams in conference uh sitting there at eight and three right now uh yes they beat an zero and 11 cal team uh, on saturday but they blew them out on the road which i don't think you ever take anything away from that and you move into sunday 
and what happens, but Seton Hall plays Rutgers on the yeah. road and it's an absolute rock fight. It was a disgusting game to watch because I did watch part of it, but they won 45 to 43 and Marquette goes on the road to Notre Dame and, and defeats them too as Marquette tries to lay claim as one of the more improved teams in the conference this year. So I know we discussed it on our preview being we had some question marks about a lot of the more mid-tier Big East teams, but they're coming out firing right now. And as we get closer and closer to conference play, this is going to be a battle as it most always is in this conference. That's exactly what I was going to say. We thought Nova, Xavier, UConn, Creighton would be the far and away top four. Maybe not far and away, but then we thought there, there should was should be a certain level of separation between those right. guys. And there already is. But then we thought there was going to be a pretty large gap after Nova in that four spot. And it does not look that way at all. Kempom actually predicts Nova is going to lose to Butler at home. And we know about Hinkle. We don't, even, we don't even have to go down that road. But I was shocked to see that. They actually have Nova going 10 and 10 in conference, which is surprising to say the least it's an improvement from a week ago though they had villanova finishing under 500 just a week ago and now all right they well now have nova over 500 that's great i looked when i did then great <laughs> i looked when i did but yeah this is a this is a really really legit year it feels like since we've taken over this podcast pat and even when we were doing did you hear stuff when we graduated there's been really good teams in the big east and there's been really bad teams and it's always been in the middle but it's been progressing everything is starting to coming to come into fruition now marquette was the ninth ranked preseason team in the poll mm. and they could for the second straight year sweep Villanova I think there's a genuine chance that that happens so shock it's man. awesome it's shock I love it shock is amazing all these teams are on the up and up trending upwards for the fourth time this podcast and other than Creighton I'm super straight, psyched yeah four straight losses for Creighton though except I, we say that and I think this Creighton team is going to be very good they just they struggle with depth and that is most certainly yeah. on display right now with Brenner out uh, I know they lost it. They should not have lost to BYU. They lost a bad one to Nebraska as well, but yeah. there's no shame in the losses they had before that to Arizona and Texas. This is still a very good Blue Jays team. They're just in the middle of a four game losing streak, which shows you that there are losing streaks for good teams there. Villanova or Nova nation wants to take a deep breath though. I know I've hammered them at times as well, but uh, I still think Creighton's going to be one of the best teams in the big East once they really get into a flow. Cause they're just way too talented on the offensive side of the ball. I feel the exact same way. They play a nine and one Arizona team as we record right now too. So that could be Arizona state team. That could be really, really interesting too. They open with Marquette by the way, on Friday and Ooh. that is going to be an awesome game. Yeah. Love that. Super sure. exciting. I hope everybody is there. as buffed as we are. Yeah. yeah. As you can tell, we're, we're feeling good about Villanova. We're feeling good about this conference and we are super excited for what is to come. Couldn't have said it better myself. Beautiful. Well, make sure you listen to us on Thursday because we do have we are very excited for our guest coming on. As we said, we'll keep it under wraps until that episode does come out. But that'll do it for us here on the State of the Nova Nation podcast presented by VU Hoops. Be sure to check out VUHoops.com for all your Villanova related content all season long. Follow us on Spotify, subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at SONN pod. We will be back at it on Thursday. We're pumped to do so, as you can tell. And Nova Nation, that's a wrap.